I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. In this episode, we talk about what intellectual property means and how it affects you. We share some of our challenges about how to decide if we share our ideas or if we keep them to ourselves. We discuss some of the best ways to give credit to others for their work while still making your voice heard. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Ashley's question about communicating rate and policy changes to existing clients in a gracious way. Have you ever had somebody use your words, share your ideas, take a design that was yours, post a photo that you've taken, and not give you credit? If you've gone down the rabbit hole of how to trademark something to make sure that it's yours and so that you get credit, you are not alone. And then your next words, your ideas or your designs, you start keeping them closer to your chest because you don't want them to be stolen, copied, or shared without your permission or at least without getting credit. You become a hoarder. You start to keep your ideas really close to you because you fear that somebody else is going to take your idea, and you certainly don't want to release anything until it's perfect. When we talk about intellectual property or IP, we're talking about ideas, creations, inventions, things that you create and put out in the world. This is the stuff that your brain works on, and even though you may not trademark or copyright every single anecdote, phrase, or story, or big idea... They're yours, and when you share them, you want some credit. This is logical, rational, and I want it too. Maybe it comes from when I was in grad school and how often plagiarism was talked about and how important it was to find the right sources to cite everything and, of course, make sure that it's all in APA or MLA format. <laughs> Does that Sorry, I just had flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, as soon as I typed AP, I was like, I got a kind of a shudder of like, oh, I remember that time in my life. I didn't have to do a ton of it, uh, but just the idea of it kind of like gives me preemptive hives. <laughs> <laughs> you are not the only one. Regardless of where this comes from, crediting somebody else's work has always been really important to me. And while we spend so much time on the internet, it's really hard to find the original source for a particular quote. That said, when you do know what it is, it's really important to cite it. Liz, you live on the internet. What is your experience of seeing credit given or not given online? I think the examples of credit not being given are the ones that stick in my brain more often because they give me fits of rage. And I feel like I see it constantly. I was going to say, I see it, especially on Instagram. But then I thought, no, I see it a lot on Twitter. And then I thought, no, I see it a lot on Facebook. So it's everywhere. You know, you see photos or graphics with no credit to the original photographer or credit to the original artist, or you see crappy screenshots and I've seen the original and I know that this screenshot version, the watermark's been cropped out of it. Or my personal favorite, when someone snags something off of Pinterest and gives credit to 
Pinterest, which blows my mind. You see it all the time, you know, on Instagram. And we do this with the photographers that you work with usually use like the little camera emoji and then the handle of the original creator. I see all the time, the little camera emoji and then credit to Pinterest. Pinterest didn't take that damn photo. That's just where you found it. There was a creator that created that piece. I hate it. I hate it so much. So often the examples of no credit is what sticks with me. I imagine that it's like me giving credit to Google for answering a question that I put in. Google, Pinterest, these are just the search engines that help us find something. But no, Pinterest did not create this photo. They did not create this craft or activity. So nice attempt at giving credit, but also pretty lazy. Yeah, you really mailed it in. Like you really mailed it in. So that I... It's rage inducing for me when I see things like that. So I'm sure there are people out there who give credit, but unfortunately it's the bad experiences that stick with me. Liz, as you're saying this, it brings to mind, I've listened to a podcast before and it started to annoy me that they wouldn't give somebody credit, either a book, a podcast, a video, they would vaguely say, oh, I was listening to this person on YouTube. And I'm like, who is the person? Or they'll say, I'm reading this book. And I go, what is the book? You're doing a disservice to your listeners by doing that. And it's not fair to the places that you're getting inspiration. You and I are so intentional about this. This is why we have show notes. Right. And this is why we use things like that to be able to share our resources with people. Right. It's to our benefit, but it's also to the benefit of our community as well. Right. And I often have moments of thinking, are people listening to this tired of hearing me talk about my conversations with Coach Jenny or tired of hearing about the program that I did with Wendy White or with Maria? And then I go, but I don't care. They do great work and they deserve credit. And so even things that we've talked about here, like the bar of resentment, that is Coach Jenny's thought leadership. I want her to have credit for it. She has put years and years of work into building up these ideas and finding this perfect language, it is not fair for me to scoop it up. And when it comes to how it's unfair to the audience, it's unfair to the audience because they can't find or don't have access to this great resource. It's also really boring to listen to, to this vague idea of like, oh, you watch this person on YouTube and they taught you this thing. And I'm like, give me the original source. If it worked for you, maybe it could work for me. I'm glad to hear I'm not the only but only person who experiences this. Liz, you you and I are in the same camp about fiercely giving credit. I have to say I have been experiencing this much more than I would like to and I've been able to drill it down into having two major fears. My first fear is that if I put out an idea that isn't totally ready, totally polished or as perfect as I'd like it to be, then somebody is going to scoop up my half-baked idea, polish it and make it theirs. It's going to be as though it wasn't mine to be, it was not mine to begin with because it's not complete. My other fear is that if I hoard my ideas and I don't put anything out there, my idea, my concept, my product, it dies with me because I live in fear of somebody stealing it. So I feel like I'm caught between two places. One, which is share it and risk that somebody is going to quote unquote, take it 
and make it their own because I haven't trademarked it or licensed it. My other fear is saying, well, I'll just keep it close to me and it'll never get out in the world and nobody's actually going to benefit from my ideas. And one of my core whys or reason why I'm doing this work is because I do want to impact the lives of other people. One of my, my secret, not secret dreams is that one day somebody is going to tattoo something that I have said on their body, which means I have to say the thing. I am such a stickler for giving people credit for their ideas and their words. So when I see examples of people not sharing or being cagey, it frustrates me. And it puts me back in this debate of, well, are they sh sharing something that I've said or I've come up with? And I've actually noticed this in, in one of the programs that I was in, some of the language that I, start, that I use. And I'll, I'll be explicit here. I talk a lot about yeah buts. Yeah buts are my version of, of excuses that we make. And so in my Claim Your Spotlight workshop, I talk through what do you want? And I go through what are all the yeah buts? What are all the reasons that you say, yeah, but. And that language that I use was adopted by other people, which is great. And yet it became language of this other group. And all of a sudden it was forgotten that it was mine. And yes, as I am saying this, I realize how petty this sounds because there is no way that I can ever trademark the phrase, yeah, but right? I know that. But all it did was it ignited this feeling that what about the bigger ideas and bigger concepts that I explore that my clients pay me to work on them with, or that I, I demonstrate in speaking gigs or write about in my book where people are paying for that content and somebody else is scooping it and making it theirs. Just last week, I went out to Robin's home office and he had a slide deck that he was preparing for his students. He's a university professor. And one of his slides says, the yeah buts. And he's talking about climate change. And I was like, how dare you? And then I stopped for a second and I went, actually, that's great. If this language is working, use it. I'm not asking for credit on these little two word things because that's impossible. But when it comes to the bigger stuff, the stories, the ways of teaching, my worksheets. Yeah, I want credit. And just like I want credit for my ideas, I also want to give others credit for theirs. Liz, what are some of the ways that you've experienced challenges around intellectual property on social media? I'm thinking about photographers or blogs. What are some of the main culprits that you see? I just wanted to mention, you were talking about trademarking two words and made me think of Paris Hilton. She copyrighted That's Hot. Do you remember that? Right, just a throwback for you. I do remember that. So does she still own the property to that phrase? It appears that way. It looks like she filed for trademark in 2013. Wow. She had some sort of lawsuit around it a few years ago. Anyway, that's a thing. Just made me think of that little throwback. Fascinating. If any of Paris Hilton if any of our listeners have connections to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and can put us in touch with Kyle Richards or Kathy Hilton to talk about the Paris Hilton trademarking, of course, we want to know. There you go. Uh, but to bring it back to the root of this podcast and the topic and why we're here, uh, some of the ways that I've experienced challenges around intellectual property on social media, kind of like what I mentioned already with the posts and the 
credit being given to the original creator. You see this a lot, a lot with graphic designers on Instagram, like so, so, so much. Uh, it's really unfortunate to see screenshots and watermarks cropped out. It's brutal, it's brutal. Like how hard is it to give credit uh, to mention the original creator? I will say on the flip side, you don't see this very often, but I do love when someone creates an original graphic art piece, photo, whatever, and they shout out who inspired them to do it. It's super cool. Imitation, sincerest form of flattery, and trends always start somewhere. So on the social media side of things, I think it's really cool. And I can think of a couple uh, people that I follow who I've seen when they've done something, they'll go shout out to so-and-so who inspired me to take a photo like this. So while they're not taking a screenshot of the photo and sharing the original, they are giving kudos to where the ideation came from, which I think is really neat. I love that. And it's such a nice way of saying, I'm not stealing this. I am intentionally making it clear that I was inspired by you, that something you did lit up something in me and you still deserve credit for it. And I think we've gotten a little bit lazy with doing this because the world of social media moves so fast and not everybody sees every single post we put out or every single comment. It's become an easy way for us to just forget about credit. And I'm here to be that pain in the ass that says, no, 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 please cite your source. And at the very least, if you don't know the source, say that. Don't claim it as your own. We saw uh, Rachel Hollis got in some hot water for this. Uh, I wanna say almost a year ago for posting a quote, claiming it as her own. And it was very much not her own. It was in fact, Maya Angelou's quote. And so more and more, it's important to find your resource, say who they are, give them credit, because there is nothing wrong with using someone else's ideas as long as you are properly representing it that way. Here's where I'm at right now. I'm not suggesting that we need to find a source for every single sentence. I'm not saying we have to trademark every two word phrase that we use every sentence every story because my goodness that would be tiring and boring and expensive and you would spend all your time trademarking every single thing about you instead of actually doing the work where i'm at is that i'm afraid of somebody stealing my ideas so sometimes i clam up so for example i eventually want to do a ted talk and I've talked a little bit about that. I've shared some snippets. I've shared some ideas, some potential titles, but I'm still afraid to outline it fully before I'm on the big stage with the, the red curtain for fear that somebody else picks it up and says, I can make this happen faster. And yet I want to share because I want to build credibility. I don't want to come out of nowhere and hopefully appear on a TED stage. I want to have something to back me up and say, I've been talking about this for a while. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I didn't just magically come out of thin air with this brilliant idea. Big ideas take time. And I want my words out in the world. I want my ideas to positively impact someone's life. And for my, my concepts, my worksheets to do good in the world. So I can't hoard them. And again, I wrestle with which is worse, somebody taking or borrowing my idea without giving credit 
or letting the idea die because I'm too afraid to share it. And I don't want to be too afraid to share. So I'm asking for a re-up on giving credit and being thoughtful and making sure you're giving credit when you know the source. And when you don't know the source, tell us that. Share what you're inspired by. And I'm here to say, don't be afraid of putting yourself out there at the same time. Good ideas are meant to be shared. Not only are you doing yourself a favor by letting yourself play with your words and language and concepts and asking for feedback, but you're also letting yourself practice how you give other people credit. If this is important to you, you become better at giving it to other people as well. And if you're giving credit, if you are in a public space like we are, you're also giving your audience a new resource to dig into. I have an amazing client. Her name is Brittany. And she has mentioned that every time she puts out something new, within about a week, a competitor follows with the same thing, the same idea, the same class. Liz is vehemently shaking her head going, no girl, this is not okay. This is not okay <laughs> at not okay. all. And I know that this has been frustrating. I, I'm frustrated by it and it's not even happening to me. And now instead of getting flustered, Brittany has adopted this beautiful language. And she says, you know what? I'm flattered. I'm doing something that matters. And she goes so far as to say, I guess I just have really good ideas. Kudos to you, Brittany. I don't know if I'd be there yet. I know it's a champ move, but to say, hey, you want my ideas so bad that you're going to steal them. Eventually, karma or whatever it is, people are going to know that I'm the real deal, right? That I am the primary source on this. And hey, I guess I just have really good ideas. So how do we give credit? Simply put, if you are sharing an idea that you read in a book, heard in a podcast, learned from a video, someone on stage, saw in somebody else's photo or art, just tell us where you heard it. Credit your photographers, your designers, the people who do great work that you want to share. Again, I am not saying that you have to cite and record every conversation. I do not need to tell you that at 3.24 p.m. last Tuesday afternoon, while I was on a walk, we talked about this and this and this. But if I'm going to use a piece of someone's thought leadership, I want them to know that I hear them, honor them, and want to make sure that they get attention, credit, and recognition that they deserve. So two things I want you to think about. The next time you post something out in the world, if you are inspired by somebody or it's somebody else's idea, you have a photo that isn't yours, do a second sweep and give the credit where it is deserved. And of course, we would love to hear from you. Who are the people that inspire you regularly? Who are the people that you always go to their Instagram because they have great ideas, they have great sayings, they have great language, and share them with us. Because in the community of giving credit, the whole idea is that we can expose these brilliant words to a wider audience or these brilliant photos or graphics to more people. So continue to credit your sources and share with us who you're inspired by.
To get the ball rolling, Liz and I have compiled a list of a few people that we follow and that we are inspired by. These are the people that we repeatedly look at what they're posting on Instagram and we like it and comment and engage and they keep us feisty and hungry. And if we want to use their words, we will always share their names. So Liz, I've pulled five. Uh, Nora McInerney, at Nora Borealis. She is absolutely hysterical, a brilliant writer, and is really fucking honest. So I love following her. Mina B has some fantastic advice and just great little phrases that she uses. Jen Hardy, uh, we've mentioned her before. She is a therapist who always has brilliant post-it notes. Rachel Cargill, who again, just a master with words and talks a lot about value and philanthropy in the world of entrepreneurship. And then Rachel Rogers, who is the founder of, I believe it is this, it's a seven figures club. We can all be millionaires is what she talks about. She talks a lot about money in a fascinating, valuable way. So these are five people that inspire me on the regular. Liz, who are your list of people that inspire you? I also have five to share that I check in on a regular basis and they're sharing beautiful work and beautiful words. The first one is Oh Happy Danny or Danielle Koch. Her Instagram bio says she's in pursuit of the ultimate good and she just shares magical stuff. I also love the Birds Papaya who is quite popular on Instagram. I love her humor. I love that she's Canadian and she's just wise and and wonderful. You and I have had side conversations about Sarah Landry. I know when her baby was being born, we are texting on the side being like, did it happen yet? Did it catch it? I'm like, how invested are we in this person's life I know. that we do not know in real life? Um, but Sarah, if you're listening, I want to be on your podcast. Yes. We are paying attention to you. Yeah, we love you, Sarah. Uh, someone else that I really love following is Avery Francis. She is so smart, uh, another Canadian, uh, and she just, she shares such great stuff and really thought-provoking content that I think we can all learn from. Fit Foodie Finds, I've followed for years. So this company is run by a woman named Lee. Uh, she's based out of Minneapolis and it's a healthy food blog, but their content is is really special in that it's not just about food, it's about body diversity and she shares what she's going through in her life and she's around our age and talking about how she wants to be a mom but how that's a terrifying thing and she has really strong friendships and I just, I love Lee. Right. And the last person on my list is uh, Mina Harris who is the founder and CEO of the brand Phenomenal which is a female powered media company and lifestyle brand. Uh, she's a number one New York Times bestselling author and she does really cool shit. Uh, so I recommend following Mina Harris as well. We will put all of these names and their websites in our show notes for today's episode. So you can all be inspired and follow all of them. This is such a fun activity. I can't wait to see what listeners join us with on Instagram and share the people that they are inspired by, because I know that good people find good people. So I cannot awesome. wait to find some more wonderful folks who are doing great things in the world and make sure that they get credit for their ideas. Speaking of good people, we have a question for today's WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do from one of our lovely listeners, Ashley, who says, 
I'm going through big changes in my business and planning to roll out both a rate increase and new policies that protect my time and sanity in the near future. AW, any tips for gently guiding repeat clients to this new way of doing business in a gracious way? Ashley, brilliant timing. I helped somebody with this in the last month and it is a fascinating conversation. Number one thing that I would say, A, there are, there are bullet points to my number one thing. A, you get to decide what you do in your business. You get to be the one who determines the bottom line no matter what. So congratulations on making big changes. B, before we go into all the tips that I have or ideas for guiding repeat clients in, I want you to first consider if you are keeping this client around for legacy reasons, because you don't want to disappoint them, or because you actually like working with them. Sometimes what happens is we work with people for so long that we assume we have to, either at a legacy rate, or we can't imagine dissolving that relationship, but it might not be serving you anymore. So first thing, congratulations. Second thing, do you even want to work with them anymore? When it comes to gently guiding repeat clients into a new way of doing business, for me, it's about resetting expectations and providing some lead time. I did this in my business in January. I stopped offering one-off coaching and strategy sessions. And yes, it was hard. I had a client say, are you breaking up with me? And it was really challenging. But what I did was I explained a little bit. I didn't have to give away the farm, but I explained a little bit about why I was doing it and what is in their best interest. So a specific example, I went from offering one-off you can buy an hour with me anytime to selling strategy and coaching sessions in a package of four. So when I explained that, I said, here's why I'm doing it. My clients get the best results when we meet on a regular basis and can build momentum. So not only is there something in it for me in that I can raise my rates, I have some consistency in my calendar and I don't have to worry about sending 15 mini invoices. I can work with fewer people over a longer term period, but there's something in it for them. Every client wants to build momentum. They want to retain the big ideas. They want chances to make progress. So regardless of what industry you're in, I always encourage you to go, what's in it for them to adopt to your new policies and procedures? Protection of your own time and sanity has to come first. So this is an opportunity to look back and go, what are all the accommodations that you've been making? And what are some of the new standards that you are setting? When you look at the new standards, you can roll these out to your client and say, as much as you are comfortable with. Again, you might want to share. I'm making some big changes in my business. Stay tuned. That's a way to let them know that it's coming and always go back to what is in it for them to buy into your new way of doing things. One strategy that I have used, and again, I don't know your industry, so consider how this might work for you, but I have offered sort of a bridging plan. So for example, with the clients that were doing one-off sessions and said, hey, can we meet? I said, actually, I'm moving to this format. I am moving to a four pack of sessions. 
and I don't want to leave you hanging. So for this one time, I will offer you the one-off session so that we can tie up any loose ends. We can wrap things up. Alternatively, you can say, I'm implementing this on May 1st. Here's what's going to happen between now and May so that you can kind of carry them over in a gentle way, but that still asserts yourself that on this day, your policies are changing. They know exactly how they're going to be changing. And you know that if you want to work with them, it has to be in this way. This Instagram post that I saw today is by Ashley Lopez. We will link to this post. And she posted this phrase, right before you level up, things get more difficult. And that hit me in the guts because I thought, oh, it is getting hard. In our last episode, we talked about Coach Jenny's language of new level, new devil. So yes, it's going to be hard in the interim, but for the sake of your time, your sanity and your value, it sounds like it's time to make some moves. And if you have a client that, that resists, that is upset, that feels like this is personal and not about your business or fights back, it might not be a good fit. And maybe that's okay. Because in leveling up, often it's because we want better clients. We want more opportunities. We want to make sure that we're really doing what we have set out to do. Thanks so much for your question, Ashley. Great answer as always, Iman. Keep hearing your questions. You can submit them via Instagram. Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact form there. Fantastic. As always, on the day this podcast comes out, we invite you to our Instagram page because today we want to know who inspires you, who excites you, who do you want to give some credit to for the brilliant work that they are putting out in the world. We would love to hear from you. If you have big ideas that you want to get out in the world, it is time to claim your spotlight. Join us on Instagram or connect with me at theamandawagner.com to find out more details. The only way to get into my Claim Your Spotlight eight-week one-on-one program is through the Claim Your Spotlight workshop. They are free and hosted twice a month. Keep your eyes out. I would love to have you. And if you are curious about how to make your social media platforms better and share your story with the world, reach out to me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit LizPittman.com. Thank you again for joining us. I am absolutely delighted that we got this topic out in the world. I have a feeling we are not the only people, we're not the only creatives experiencing this fear of, of somebody stealing our work, but also that we don't want to hoard it. So please join the conversation. We would love to hear what you think. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. As always, friends, we will see you on the internet.